1: Hey everybody, Derek here of Red Shirts and Runabouts. We have a very special episode for you this week. This past weekend, we were live at Planet Comic Con and hosted a panel wrapping up Season 1 of Star Trek Discovery. Greg and I were joined by special guest Ray of Siren Ray Cosplay and co-host of the Screen Heroes podcast, one of our sister shows, on the Heroes Podcast Network, and we uh, got to talk to a great audience of Trekkies and Trekkers and fans, and discussed some of our biggest and favorite moments of Star Trek Discovery Season 1, along with some things that maybe we poked a little bit of fun at. We did not get to everything that we wanted to, we only had 50 minutes, but we had a really good time. For those wondering, and maybe missed last week, Jeremy was unable to join us because he was on his way moving to... L.A. But he will be back. He'll be joining us back hopefully next week. Our plan is to review Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. So, uh, we're gonna go ahead and cut over to our Planet Comic Con panel. We hope you enjoy it, and I'm gonna get back to you at the end here, so stay tuned.
0: Alright, hi everybody! <sighs>
1: We are Redshirts and Runabouts, a Star Trek podcast from the Heroes Podcast Network. We are local to Kansas City. You can find us at Heroes Podcast on Facebook and Twitter or HeroesPodcast.com. It is all plural. Um, I am Derek, or the Star Trek Dude on Twitter and Facebook as well. I am one of the regular hosts on the show. Greg? I am Gregory Boswell. I'm one of the other hosts on the show. Online,
2: uh, you can find me at the underscore bittersfield.com. So, any of you Game of Thrones fans will probably immediately recognize that name. My other major passion is Star Wars. I see you do down there,
1: and uh, and Game of Thrones as well. Star Star Trek is my first love. Mine too. Um, and then we have a special guest host because our third normal host, Jeremy, is literally moving to LA as we speak. He is driving past Manhattan, Kansas. So this is Ray.
3: Hi. I am Siren Ray. I am in the cosplay section. I do all kinds of cosplay, and uh, at least once a year I do a Star Trek one. um, I I have to say that I was into the show before I started dating this guy, but he's just made all kinds of love blossom, including the love for Star Trek. So I'm not as knowledgeable as these two, but I'll do my best.
1: But you've seen all of Discovery. I
3: watched all of Discovery, and it was awesome.
1: So that's mainly what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So um, if you've not seen Discovery, if you've not seen all of it, this is your spoiler warning. We will be talking about lots of stuff that happened. Um, so I'm sorry if we've ruined anything for you. But um, our goal here was just to talk about the season as a whole. Last week, we had an episode, which was episode 20 for us. We reviewed the finale. So this week is more of a wrap-up of the season as it is. And I would like to have a, a bit of a discussion. Um, I don't know if that mic at the end works or not, Greg. But we could pass it around if people have things they'd like to discuss or bring up. That would be fun because we have people in the audience, which is super cool. Um,
3: I think you meant the portable
1: one. Sorry, yeah, the, portable one. the, the yeah. does
2: that work? Welcome to red shirts and runabouts.
1: Cool. cool. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, so we'll be able to pass that place. around at some point um, if anybody <laughs> would like it. So I just want to point out, I, I see a Chicote cosplay, and that's awesome. So. I never get to see that. That's really cool. (laughs) Um, Anyway, okay. So let's go ahead and get started. So Discovery, guys. Fifteen episodes. First season is done. I'd like to ask what you guys feel, how you feel, about the two-episode prelude to the show that we got, that now that the season is over, how do you feel it played connecting it to the rest of the season? I really enjoyed
2: the first two episodes, but I have no problem admitting if you don't see the first two episodes... You might have a few questions going into it. It was almost like if this was then. It's almost like they made two episodes trying to secure more money. This is the way I look at it from CBS Paramount. To go look, we actually have the capability. We have the talent to make a TV show because let's let's be honest. Some of the early episodes, and I keep using this quote on red Church and runabouts all the time. Some of the early episodes of Next Generation, not so good.
1: And they're all brilliant, obviously.
2: And, 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 yeah, they're all brilliant. Yeah, I mean there's some episodes where I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I don't mind skipping this on Netflix. So it's like the first two episodes were like, hey, this is us making the show. They aired it to whoever they needed to air it at Paramount CBS. They said, you know what? You got some talent, you got some skill. We're gonna dedicate a good amount of money to these episodes. And I don't know if people in the audience know this. The amount of money in that the episodes for Discovery. Is similar to the funding that Game of Thrones got for early seasons, which for a sci-fi show, let alone a Star
1: Trek show, is almost unheard of. Eight million an episode, yep, which is pretty intense for a television show. Ray, what about you?
3: Overall, I enjoyed the storyline. Samiqa is solid. Doug Jones is solid. I love those two actors, and as soon as I saw them on the show, I was into it just based on that alone. You know how sometimes it's the content, other times it's the people involved, at this time it's the people involved. I noticed too much copying of the Abrams movies, in my opinion. Like in if, the first two episodes? If I could both pick one positive it's the cast and one negative, it's the, like, it was just filled with so much lens flare. It was distracting. It was distracting how much like the Abrams universe it was to me. So I, I was like, this isn't, exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I'm glad I stuck with it, because every episode after, I was really pleased with it. Well,
2: it's kind of funny, because it's it, the Battle of the Binary Stars, and I, I was... The reason I this sticks in my mind is my wife mentioned just a big rewatch of it, and there's, like, a literally... Because I'm that guy who, like, counts. I can't help it. There's something wrong with me. But it's like the Klingons start attacking the Federation, and there's, like, a delay before the Federation does anything, and I'm like, Cisco would not stand for this. <laughs> I'm like, this is... I mean people would lose their jobs for this kind of delay in responding. It's like there's twenty four Klingon ships or whatever and you got like twelve and you're like, I don't know, they're kind of aggressive. And there's got you gotta think there's that one lieutenant on the i don't, see, this is how my brain works. I can't help it. And it's like you, you know there's that one lieutenant somewhere on some ship going, I don't know, they're kinda of locking weapons on us. We 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 probably wanna do like maybe move. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I know, I know
1: it's sci-fi, I know it's fantasy. I still love Star Trek. They do weird things. Well, that's that's always been a thing with Trek. It's always that trope of you're the only ship in the sector. <laughs>
2: we have <laughs> no other ships. Some dude's magnetic field obscured our warp signatures, sir. I mean, yeah,
1: right. Even when something happens at Earth, there's only one ship at Earth, right? That's just how kind of Star Trek's always been. Um, I think my f- biggest problem with the first two episodes was that they only made the first half free. To everybody, so if you didn't know Star Trek, let me ask you this. I'm going to ask this question here. Who here watched Star Trek before Discovery? Yes. Yeah, okay. So maybe this is not the right audience for this particular point. But if you hadn't watched Star Trek and you were trying to be sold on Discovery, you got half of an episode to decide if you were going to pay a monthly fee. Yeah. And that probably turned off some people, I would imagine.
3: It's unfair to do a to-be-continued and not give you the continued portion. So much of Star Trek has been serialized. You you watch an hour-long episode, and you could come back to it if you wanted to. You could watch the next one. But it, it was like one-and-done stories. And this time, they split it in half, but the, you only get one half. Like yeah. Don't buy me a Kit Kat and only give me two of the chocolate pieces. That's unfair. That's the
1: fun size. <laughs> no. So,
3: so
1: this was fun. I do buy
3: that size.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that
2: CBS all likes as kind of that paywall yeah. to And I, I always try to use some kind of logic. My logic isn't always good. But imagine you're watching, you know, Encounter PowerPoint. And you get the first, the first episode. And then like, we need $9.99 to show you the second episode. Or with NSRE, or with Caretaker. Most Star Trek fans are going to be like, "This is kind of weird." Especially, you know, the Voyager premiere has always been a little. That's probably the most hot topic. I'm probably going to get somebody throwing something at me. That's probably the most. You don't movie. like the Voyager premiere. You don't like Caretaker. I love Star Trek. <laughs>
3: Did everyone bring their
1: rotten tomatoes to throw it at him? <laughs> My name is
3: actually
1: Jeremy Munkin I am soon going to in Los Angeles. Uh, um, okay, so here, here's a kind of a fun thing. So in Discovery, for those who didn't notice or may not be familiar with the original series very much, the episode titles were a very original series in nature. And I'm curious if anybody had a favorite episode title. Yeah. Oh,
3: you over the exact
1: name of the Magic to Make the this Man? come very much. Oh, yes. What, what was, does anyone remember the actual... Googling. Googling? Okay. My favorite was The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry. Because that's ridiculous. That is Season 3
2: Original Series, where they're like, (laughs) we got nine dice, just throw them in the air, and uh, the taco moves at midnight. That's that's kind of what Season 3 Original Series did. And I think it's okay to admit, you know, I think think they go back and look at it and go, wow,
0: what was
1: the 60s? Did there. you find
3: it? I'm not there yet. You're not there yet? Okay, I'll
1: stall. Um <laughs> okay. did anyone else have a favorite? I'm just curious if there's any like cool ones I I yeah. The War Without, the War Within. That was a good one. I like that one too. It was good. I was a little disappointed with the finale title, Will You Take My Hand? Anyone else?
3: No, that's no. beautiful. Like that, that, that is so reminiscent of Aladdin. Like, do you trust me? Oh, come on, that's great. I, I know what I know, guys. Come on. Okay. Leave me alone.
1: I will show you the world. Yes. Okay. What was that? It felt
3: like an invitation for us. It felt. Oh. Oh. Okay. I now
1: that's that. interesting. It was for us. We're taking the hand of discovery okay. to continue. I like that. It
3: was episode seven. Magic to make the sanest man go
1: mad. There we go. That was a fun one. That was kind of a bottle episode in a way. Okay. So um, but a really expensive bottle episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to your comment because I think
2: that you might be striking something. Because Derek reminded me a week ago, you know, the first 13 episodes were planned and it was like by the third or fourth episode where there were CBS Paramounts. Like, okay, you got something; you're doing something right. People are watching, people are talking, people are communicating online, and most importantly, is people are complaining. Because <laughs> if people are complaining, it means you're doing something right. And if you, if you ever listen to our podcast, I'm one of those guys. I call out the complainers. If it's like a good complaint. Like there's too many lens flares. I completely agree with stuff like that. But like, I remember reading complaints online. Like, this isn't as good as season seven, Next Generation. I'm like, really? And, like, you're gonna compare season one on a new show to like the prime? Or like, this finale wasn't as good as best of both worlds? Like, stop. And It's like those. It's, like those are the people whose opinions like you don't deserve a right to vote. But the first thirteen were like, like almost not syndicated. Um, they were funded. And then they got something right, so they got episodes 14 and 15. And so it might have been along those lines where the producers and the showrunners are going, look, if you want more Star Trek to stay on air, then essentially you need to continue following us or continue watching us. Because if, they, if the season finale got like a .5 viewership, CBS Paramount would be like, well, this experiment did not work. And it seems like this is the first time they've really engaged us along with
1: the nurse. Yeah, because uh, there's been a after track and on the Twitter, you know, a lot of twittering. And the, yeah, they're really trying to engage us along with the journey with them. I mean, this this is the first Star Trek show during the social media era where they can do that, where they can have people live tweet and they can have all these crazy interactions with Facebook and Instagram and, and that type of stuff. Um, I'm curious, did anybody follow along with the live tweet with the finale? Because like half the cast was involved in that. A few people. I was nervous that I wouldn't have started the episode at the right time, and something would be spoiled for me.
3: He hates spoilers. So much. I
1: do. I really do. Like if I, if that last shot of the Enterprise showing up, if that had been ruined for me, like that, oh, the,
3: he would have punched
1: something. I would have been mad. I would have been upset. That happens.
3: Walk, walk.
1: Yes, the Enterprise shows up.
2: Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, we were actually talking about that in the podcast, because for those of you who are into Star Trek, I'm assuming most people in here, at least somewhat enjoy it. And you someone like the timeline, you someone, at least someone like the history, like when stuff happens is important. And we were talking, Derek's been one bring it up in multiple episodes of the timeline of this show is like when the Constitution Clash rolled out. And the whole time, Derek was like, where are they? If they're in a war and they're losing, you think they would use their best ship.
3: I'm gonna get
2: totally nerdy on it. We love to Do, do it. it. Uh, you gotta play on guard. You fit right
3: in. The first episode, whatever wonder what the heck it was called, is that one year after The Cage. Yeah. And I was looking through the memory i on the nerd. And during the first season, is basically while Kirk is on the planet with Ivy and the Yolk. That is
1: revisited mm-hmm. in the private dual war. Mm-hmm. So that gives you an idea of where
3: they're at
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, Pike is the captain of the Enterprise at this point. So, Robert April already did his two five-year missions. So, they already, the Enterprise is at least at this point 12 years old, at least, I guess. But the Constitution classes were still like the big bad ships of the Federation. So, I kinda did have that problem going through the season of we keep having these battles, but where are they? You don't have to show me the Enterprise, that's fine. You can show me a different ship, right? But there should, there should be 12 of them. 11 if you count the lost Defiant, right? So that's nerding out, yeah, I, that I think. Is out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right, The Defiant's not lost yet. yet.
2: But I mean, because you saw have like Lexington, the Constitution, the Excalibur, I'm firing from the... The, the Constellation. Constell- okay. I, I think so. But it, that's what we kept asking, is they could have done a nice little cameo somewhere, like even in the Battle of Binary Stars. Because you know, all of us would have like stopped and zoomed in.
1: <laughs> that's why they didn't do it though, right? Like, is that- they're like, the model's not ready yet. You're like, that's 1705. That's, that's one of the const I knew it. Um, well, when the Discovery was given 1031, everyone was like, oh, it's a Section 31 ship, guys. Which would have been that good. didn't really quite it pan, pan really out. out. Um, it's still could. But that's the thing. In-universe, there's not a good reason. Out of-universe, it was because if they're going to show a Constitution-class ship, it's going to be the Enterprise, and it's going to be the last shot of the season, right? That's, that was the plan. So I'm curious, who here liked the new Enterprise design? I
2: only have one complaint,
1: they put holes in the pylons. Holes in the pylons, yeah, they did, that's true. Else, I, like When I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of okay with this. <laughs> so I'm sorry, let me see that show, show of hands again you, if you liked the new Enterprise. okay. And if you didn't? I'm just curious. Okay. Did anybody absolutely hate it? Because I'm with you, I didn't love it or not like
2: it, I was like,
1: how do, we, how do we feel about the Discovery design? Which one, which one do you think is better? The Discovery or the Enterprise? Discovery? Shenzhao. Shenzhao. Oh, wow.
3: Yeah,
1: the Shenzhao is pretty awesome. And we'll, we'll probably never see that one ever again. So, sorry.
3: GS7 Battle
1: Yeah, so, okay, let's talk Klingons a bit. Um, I know that, at least me, I was a little thrown off by the redesign of the Klingons, both them physically, their style, their ships... Specifically, that uh, I got
3: over it really fast, this, but the bottom teeth still make it very difficult for me to hear them speak. Just it sounds very lispy. It was very reminiscent of Blade Trinity when nobody could talk through their fangs.
1: Laurel got better. Lorel got better because
3: you know she wore it more often. She was yeah. in almost every episode towards the end, and she was in costume. She got used to her costume, but the first couple episodes where they just had. A mass of Klingons. These people couldn't speak through their prosthetic teeth yet. You know, they showed up on set, got fitted, and that was it.
1: I'm finding the dubstep next door to be very distracting. Yeah,
3: the table is uh, vibrating. The chairs are shaking. Uh-huh. I like, what is going on with my <laughs> <picture right now?" laughs>
2: Like, I, I'm one of those people. The Klingon look didn't really. I didn't really. I don't know. I don't really care. But something Ray was saying that I agree with. This. It's almost like they're talking so slow. I uh, was sitting here in my living room, I was like, I got like stuff to do. <laughs> I got a nineteen month old that could literally wake up in like five minutes. Like, so I'm fine yeah. with
3: artistic liberation. Go ahead, redesign your characters. That's that's fine with me because Whoa. it's your show, it's your world. Well. But it's gotta be functional. I, I cannot
1: okay. subscribe to Stop that. Stop it. <laughs>
3: I'm primarily a cosplayer. If you can't wear it, if you can't act through it, then that's a problem for me, because that takes me out of it.
1: I think that's what makes Doug Jones Saru that much more impressive. Oh my god, so, so
3: I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it's very historical for Star Trek to be person in an alien costume. They don't... Act through it, and Doug Jones and Brent Spiner, are the two actors that created brand new movements for an android and a kelpian, and that was beautiful. Like he had a, a new walk, and he had weight in his arms, and he, it was incredible. Like that is an actor. He has
2: that little like voice click. Yeah, he's almost like thinking. You just hear that very, very, very minor.
1: You might miss it, but you brained
3: But it was just so incredible.
1: Shameless plug on our YouTube channel. We actually got to interview Doug Jones when he was here back in November, and he actually explained how he came up with the mannerisms and showed it. It's pretty cool. Yes, sir. Um, no. Well,
3: the Klingons originally, yeah, and the old stuff they had the same problem with the teeth and the ears. Right. We dubbed it. We moved it so you could hear that. But they did not this
0: time. Mm,
1: that's a good point. But um,
0: yes, uh, Jones and Spider Yes, but also moved away the blueberry
3: reports yeah. Yeah, that's
2: true. Uh, it's it's one thing about the new Klingons that I don't know how to describe it. So I'm going to be very careful because being the Star Wars fan, Abrams' Force Awakens usually division, division, or caused of division. Divisive. Divisive. That's it. People loved it. People did whatever. But he he kind of brought back that idea of using. Look, these stormtroopers need to have practical effects. They need to have actual armor. I want real sets. I want real props. I want the CGI nightmare didn't go so well for Attack of the Clones. You know the thing gets everywhere, like just again. Anyways, but I think what one thing that worried me about Discovery is that they were so focused on the Klingon prosthetics, the look, right. the teeth, the armor, the costume that they're like, I don't care how uncomfortable it is, you will wear. Remember Bane and The Dark Knight Rises? Yeah, and they kept saying like, oh, we're going to leave his voice, we're fine, whatever. And you're in the theater, and you're like, what? It, it's like he sounded like somebody was like muffling Eminem. Hmm. and it, it didn't go so well. And then the, the Blu-ray comes out but it's like, why is Bane louder?" Because yeah. they just redubbed like, it. You know what, it didn't work at the theaters so we you got to re You said, you're right. In the past, for some of the alien languages, they would re-dub it so people, you know, whatever your beliefs are, we're all, you know, human. We generally speak human languages, except for if you're, what is it, Oregon they have Klingon at college, which is pretty awesome. Um, they have Klingon on Netflix now. They do have Klingon on Netflix.
1: Thanks to Discovery. But
2: yeah, the that might have been helpful, because at some point in the, the commentary was getting so
1: slow that I was just like losing focus. Well, I think that's enough graping on the Klingons. We could, let's, let's, we could talk about something positive.
3: Did anyone hate the Klingons?
1: Ooh, we have a few people. Why did you hate the Klingons? What, um, here, wait. Can we pass the mic? I'm curious why you hated the Klingons. This will be good.
3: You have the floor. that's okay, I was just going to the
1: commercial. <laughs> <laughs> now back to the program.
3: Uh, I think I just didn't like how different they were compared to past shows. Um if they wanted to change a little bit, okay, that's fine, but it, they were so different that it was hard for me to just get it to it. And like you said, that was, uh, I just did I kind of missed the back hair. <laughs> I,
1: for you, was it was it really the visuals, or was it also just kind of culturally and uh, who they were? Because I saw some differences there too.
3: Uh, for me, it was the visual, and then the way they it just kind of was just so different
2: that it, it to be different things. Do you prefer the Into Darkness Klingons right with more piercings than negative or <laughs> the Discovery of Klingons? Probably the Into
3: Darkness. Oh, uh.
2: you know what I think that is though. Because Into Darkness, the Klingons were like a sea like story. Yeah, That's a good you, point. We did like an hour and a half of those. I don't know. Into Darkness is my least favorite Abrams. Least, least favorite of the new films, I apologize. But- Into Darkness is my least favorite Star Trek movie. Whoa. Yeah, That's Star Trek. Yeah. 5, man.
1: In- I, so- would r- I would rather watch. Insurrection. C- 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 C-
3: <laughs> <laughs> C- you get
1: the camping story, it's what, great. What if a purple space position?
3: Can we talk about the amazing cast of Discovery and the Bridge Crew?
1: Yes we can. Yes. Okay. Favorite characters.
3: Alright. Let's go through one at a time. Vernon. Burnham. Who loves Burnham? Love right? awesome!
1: She is so fantastic. How
3: amazing is it to see the show with a black female lead? I die like every
0: time right. That's Star Trek to me It's diversity It's
3: getting new people In front of cameras And I didn't expect Anything less he was so strong
1: I mean this dev Definitely had the most Diverse primary crew
3: Most of the bridge crew Was female too mm-hmm. So What up <laughs> I'm female I'm, I like
2: that I'm glad they let Ricky people as a character I'll admit the first few episodes I was kinda of like she was so stained offish. Yeah. But then again, I was also raging in the corner because it was the Doctor House syndrome. Where it's like every episode she's fixing things, and then i the, like specialist burn I'm go back to your little rat's nest. You're still a specialist. I'm like at some point, you know, it's gonna be like, All right, she saved, you know, the ship like thirty-three times. And I think it's time for us to stop treating her like, you know, the way we treat her.
3: Did you guys kind of predict that they were gonna give her her status back? Yeah.
1: Did that surprise anyone? Okay.
3: okay. So let's move on. Who's Stamus? Who likes Stamus? I just um, wanted to know what people thought. I thought that Discovery was a great sci fi series, but I struggled to find out who was really the character that embodied the crime directive. And I thought that Michael Burnham, in my opinion, I felt like she was the only one that really embodied the crime directive. Does anybody else have any? I didn't really think anybody embodied the Prime <laughs> Directive. It looks like everybody wanted to mess with everything, so. Maybe we'll get that in Season 2, but I was, I'm kinda of with you, I don't think anybody really
1: embodied that. The Prime Directive is one of those rules that is more plot specifically yeah. used than anything else, right? Because all of the captains ignored the Prime Directive when it was convenient. Um, but I think Burnham probably got the closest. Maybe, maybe Saru got the closest. Georgia, I mean. You know. George, well, George, Georgia. Georgia wasn't around long enough right. to have an opportunity to break it. You know, an argument could be made that they were breaking it in the first episode by saving that alien species by yeah. fixing their well water. So, Lorca didn't care. Yes, sir. Do
2: you think they were? Do you think they're setting up a play on the Kirk
3: Spock dynamic with Burnham and Saru, could, uh, Burnham being more of the kind of the Kirk character as a
2: badass, you know, like, and then Saru being a more thoughtful, you know, sort of reserved character. I think
1: that's a. I think early on that was definitely true. But I think Saru broke free of a lot of that by the end of the season, which is why I'm kind of bummed that he isn't Supposed to be the captain at the end of the season, right? I mean, maybe he'll end up being it through through circumstance, uh, but that wasn't the plan. Because by the end of it, I mean he's taking a lot of risks. He's trying to to do things that are a little outside the rules too. Which I guess as Spock grew as a character, started to do the same thing. So um, I I feel like they that's a similar balance. Uh, but maybe it's the lack of a bone style character I mean, that this straight it for man in
3: the rule breaker is such a great trope and. Uh, Star Trek does it well, so I wouldn't be surprised
1: if we see that role continue. That's fair. Any thoughts, Greg? Uh, my main focus is still
2: in the fact that Burnham and Saru actually grew together as characters, which is not easy to do. And for those of you familiar with Game of Thrones, I always going to use that as a good reference, because culturally right now, Game of Thrones is like that beast in the room that most people have heard of. I'm the guy that read the book, so I'm the show, I'm the book snob. But it's like Jamie Lannister is a perfect example. Like the first two or three episodes or the first two or three chapters of the book, you're like, uh yeah, this guy's like my least favorite character I've ever read. Then by like season seven or by like book three, you're like, wait a second, like, why am I why do I like Jamie Lannister all of a And I kinda say the same thing about Burnham and Saru, because early on you're not really sure how I feel about Saru. He's not so cool with Burnham, he blames Burnham for a lot of stuff. Burnham is kinda like so Vulcan. And I use that on the, on the podcast a couple weeks so like, it's almost hard to relate to her in a way. Mm. But then as the series progresses, she grows as like a, almost as like a, not as a person, but as a, as a major character on the show, where she's adapting to her new surroundings and she's being more of herself and, you know, she's got romantic feelings for people. Cause I'm, I'm that guy, like I complain about Star Wars all the time now, because it's like nobody has any attraction or physical feelings for anybody, which I think is like anti-human. But you You're on stuff. a ship
3: in space. I develop crushes on a daily basis and <laughs> like random strangers. How do you not have people no. betting each other? That's it's so weird. And I like that
2: about Discovery. They're like, it's almost, it's like they're letting humans be humans, which I think is so perfectly normal. You know, next generation, what's the joke about Riker? You can all say it. I mean, anything that moves, that's a lie. <laughs> And like some of the shows today, some of the Star Wars are like trying to be almost become like sterile. And I like that Discovery is like breaking out the humanity of the characters. Mm-hmm. Cause I love, my, my favorite show is Next Generation. But my major complaint about Next Generation is like everybody is so perfect at everything that it's almost like they're flawless. Which, when I was growing up I didn't really realize that, but now that I'm older and I'm like, I'm like trying to feed my toddler food and she hates it, I'm like, how do I, how do I suck at this so bad? but you know on Star Trek they fix a workbook reach in like 13 seconds and I know that's reality I know reality first at all you just have to
1: reverse the polarity, I you have to
2: reverse the polarity. I'm gonna do the Georgian role next time yes but it's like, it's like, it's like, the characters in next gen are perfect in everything the characters in Discovery they have flaws they're a little bit arrogant Stamens was a little hostile at first like was, yes. the first five minutes of statements, I'm like who is this guy and get him off the scene
3: this guy is not the man I know from Rent <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which I, I like that about Discovery because yes sir
2: No, you're good. Discussion, this is good. I was just wondering if that was... Thanks. I was just wondering if maybe what you were just saying about TNG was part of kind of a a, a leftover effect from Gene Roddenberry, saying that there should be no conflict uh,
1: on the bridge kind of thing. Yeah. That's
3: a fantastic point.
1: I think think it's a great point. I mean, look, the way I always frame it is Gene Roddenberry's future is the future I want, but it doesn't make for good television necessarily, right? That's why like, the best of Deep Space Nine is later on in the in the show when no one was paying attention because of Voyager, and they could do the war and some other. And some of the things that Cisco did were not necessarily the most ethical in the world. They can take chances, but they yeah, exactly. Well, and it's a
2: good point because the Roddenberry fallback is something we've been talking about a lot of, not, not like Star Trek fans, not like you, but like random people have complained about the new look of like the Enterprise or, or the Shenzhou or the, why does it look futuristic? And that's what I keep saying.
0: If Ron <laughs> Berry had an unlimited
2: budget essentially and unlimited technology, do you really think his uniforms would have just been like red velour? I mean... The ship
1: would not have been on shipping uh, fishing line. No, I mean he would, if it was um, made he today. would have made the show.
2: I mean, today, 2018, the, we live in a social media culture. Like the moment I sneeze on a podcast and Derek can't edit it, the first comment we get is why is Bosco sneezing again? <laughs> I mean, it's the reality of the fact that nobody's going to watch a show if they're using the 1967 USS Enterprise. Because people are going to be like, my microwave can tweet. It's like, <laughs> like, like it's like, why it's like Mud <laughs> like, like tweeting is he's eating another hot pocket. It's like, why? Nobody's gonna watch it. And it's, yeah. it's the same thing with Barry. It's like the carryover of those characters, everybody's like ideal they their one thing. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I like, I like the, what's it called? The um, the internal conflict of the human soul or whatever? That story. That story, or, or, story whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Or The internal conflict of the human soul. People by nature interact with each other in the way that they know best. And that's what I like about Discovery. Because that's what Saru's been doing, Is what Stamen started off with, it's what Burnham started off with. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens in real life every day, right? You know, the cashier is snotty to you at Penhouse, and you're like, "Well, what's going on?" But five minutes before, that cashier just got told, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or mother, mother passed away, or father, or whatever. And Discovery kind of does that. It's kind of got the background going on, and then get to see which drives what the character down. Right. right. There's a, there's the very vision, but you have, have to get there. Yes.
1: And that's kind of how I look uh, at Discovery. This is still part of the process. Mm-hmm. Get it there. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's still fairly early on in the Federation, at least compared to some of the later shows, chronologically later shows. <laughs> you know, we are at war with the Klingons. We have a lot to learn. And uh, again, like, it's still a television show at the end of the day. And I think if everything was perfect all the time, we'd be pretty bored. Uh, now, I do want to talk about my favorite character, which is Tilly. <laughs> Who else loves Tilly? Right? right? I think
3: Tilly is very special because one of the biggest tropes is the girl next door. And she's idyllic and beautiful. And that's really hard to live up to when you take that trope outside of TV. This isn't the girl next door. This is the every girl. That's how I feel on a daily basis. I blurt stuff out. like I want to be the first person on Star Trek to say fuck. Like, she's incredible. She's intelligent and she's funny, and she's just a great role model, like from start to finish, because she wasn't trying to be anything else. She she was just her. She has allergies. She <laughs> does. And I know. I
2: know people complain about that. I'm like, does anybody who has not seen Ratha Khan? Well, there's literally a five minute segment where McCoy is talking to Kirk and I would normally try right next five or whatever. And Kirk's like, oh, well, I'm allergic to that. Yeah. I'm like, that happened like 30, 35 years ago, or whatever. Well, it would have, I mean,
1: thir- it would have been like 35 years later, well, 35, later. Yeah, 35 later, years later. <laughs> in
2: but you know, when they filmed it in eighty two. The prequels. The prequels. are sequels. <laughs> so I like that Tilly's like a real person. I mean, she's got allergies, she's got feelings, she's got attractions, she's worried. Remember the first episode? She's like worried that, or third episode? She's worried that like Burnham's gonna take her job. Yeah. I'm like, we've all felt that, right? And whatever our place of employment is, they bring in somebody new, and you're like, what the hell? I've been here like 18 years, and now this new engineer here, you're going to get rid of me? And
1: my like, buildings are fine. They don't fall down all the time. <laughs> I mean. I, 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 I think the, the balance of Tilly and Burnham, especially early on, was really awesome. You know, and they're, they're going to be roommates, and that's just hilarious because Tilly is this positive, energetic uh, just kind of loving person, and, and Michael early on is not. Instead
3: of making them fight, instead of making them be jealous of one another or anything like that, they they got to be friends. And how many TV shows or movies actually show a good supportive female friendship? Like zero. Like there's a Gilmore girl and that's it. <laughs> that sucks.
1: Well, no, that's true. And even on Voyager, that didn't really get to happen much because the women on the crew were very segregated out. Mm-hmm. You know, Janeway couldn't be friends because she was the captain, and Seven and B'Elanna certainly weren't going to be getting along, mm-hmm. so...
3: How weird is that, though?
1: Yeah. Wait, are you suggesting Cersei Leigh is mm-hmm. not
3: supportive?
1: To, to Yeah, yeah to do. She was
2: supportive
3: of Joffrey? Kind of. kind of? Kind of. No, I
2: actually agree with that. And that's one thing I noticed about Discovery is, you know, I better have, she likes Star Trek. You know, she likes Next Generation, she likes Deep Space 9, she loves Discovery. And whether it's the way they're doing the characters, whether it's the way it's the female female power, or it's... That's the thing, I don't even think it's the female empowerment. I think it's the fact that female characters are actually doing something important versus they're actually helping drive the plot. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, you know, we have a Janeway, obviously, but...
0: I mean, and then occasionally and I hate to say, next generation
2: hit the one off with Dr. crusher now and then, or, or, or you know, Troy.
3: Troy eventually got to do meaningful things. Yeah,
2: yeah, by like
1: season five.
2: And, and, <laughs> and I, again, I said it earlier. I'm one of those people. I think criticism is good because people can grow through constructive criticism. And you know, I've got a 19 month old girl that she loves the Star Trek theme song. I can't explain it. You know, she hears the Star Trek theme song and she starts dancing. And it's, you know it's dancing like me, so you know it's not very good, but it's still dancing, and I like it. I, I, no, <laughs> and I want you know I want her in nine years, ten years. So maybe Discovery's not Discovery's not going to air for ten years. You know, those Star Trek shows going to be on seven. So, right. But uh, I, I will
3: never discount the importance of the females before. Nichelle Nichols obviously paved the way for lots, yeah, lots of female actresses, and as opposed to those male ones. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Crusher, and Janeway, and Kira. Like, they're all amazing. Mm-hmm. But we got uh, six amazing women all in one show. Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> I mean, Nichelle Nichols had the first, I do know how many of you know this, first interracial kiss on television history. Who were and And that was back in 66, 67.
3: Nichelle Nichols was the reason That's Whoopi huge. Goldberg wanted to be part of the show, because mm-hmm. it was the first time she'd ever seen a black woman not play a maid. Yes. To take it back off on a catch <laughs> so if I may. Do your thing. It's it's a discussion, it's fun. Chili and the F word. Chili and the F Bomb. word. Wow. And all my friends on Star Trek, well some of my friends,
0: less than you are like, how can I let my kids watch this show now? Or, oh, oh my, my gosh, did I just see Klingon titties? How can <laughs> I let my
3: kids watch this show? Where are they aiming this for? We can't show So, what do you guys thoughts on the average PG-13 movie will let in one effort, and it also lets in boobs now. So not even now,
1: Starship Troopers. There you go. There's a lot of nudity in Starship Troopers. This
3: is nothing new. It was
1: PG-13. Uh, yes. My parents made that mistake. They took so I was young at the time and they took a group of me and my friends to go see the movie because they just thought it was a sci-fi killing alien bugs movie. And then there's you know the, the like the shower scene and I there's need, like Ray's educating me now because I didn't, didn't even know
2: about any of that. Yeah, oh. yeah.
3: I know a lot of weird rules about all the ratings. Those are good
2: rules to know. I like that.
3: Mm-hmm. The the thing is, that's how people talk. when I'm at my job Monday through Friday, my bosses cuss. You know, it, it's that's just how things happen. If you're so worried about like one person saying F word on television. There's a very limited amount of television you can watch nowadays, and I suggest you watch that if that's what you like, but artists shouldn't have to cater to their audience. They shouldn't have to censor or edit themselves when we have the power to turn things off and switch things. So if, if that's how you go to work and you know you see something cool and you say, yes, yeah, then that's how the TV shows should be able to talk as well, in my opinion. Now, I don't think it does anything for your art if every other word is the F word. I think you sound idiotic, but, you know, one throughout the entire season on an online streaming service does not make you a villain.
2: (laughs) I'm I'm with Ray, and you know, without sharing all my details, you know, I I have a government job, and so the government shut down, you know, the first word out of my boss's mouth. Right. (laughs) Because at the same time, he's like, I got 60 employees that report, he's got, he's got 60 employees that report to him. He's like, now I gotta tell these people that they have to go home, and they may get paid, they may not get paid. You know, their health insurance kinda stops, you know, all these services kinda stop. His first response was, F, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And that's, I I, I don't get the impression at all that you were offended by it, because that's, that's how people are. You know, when I'm fixing my fence and I hit my thumb, the first word isn't, oh darn, it's something far worse than that. And, you know, the same thing with me, like you said, if I see something really cool, I might be
1: like, this
2: is pretty
1: epic and awesome. Right. Well, when you think about the highest quality shows available today, most of them are on some type of premium network or channel, right? You have Game of Thrones, you have the Marvel Defender shows on Netflix, you have Ash vs. Evil Dead on Stars, and now you have Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access. Those are more adult shows. They are either more violent or they have more adult content, but they're higher quality shows in general. not saying there's nothing good on regular cable, but those are all very high quality shows, like them or not.
3: AMC just said that they're going to let The Walking Dead say the awkward now. There's nothing off the table. So, you know, basic cable uh, network will follow. Mm
2: -hmm. How many major DS9 fans are in the room?
3: If you absolutely it's not. Oh man, I would follow Cisco to hell <laughs> <laughs> Here's a perfect example
2: of what you're talking about, right? Is remember that there's that one episode, like three episodes after the war starts, right, with the Dominion? And they're like, oh, we got work from the third fleet or whatever, and it's like only 12 got back. And whatever, what I can't remember who said, it's like well, 12 out of like 114. And they're like, oh bother. I'm like, that's not how military people would <laughs> act. Like if the United States Pacific Shucks. fleet goes, goes, goes out to sea, in World War II and they're fighting the Japanese and they come back and the admiral's like I'm gonna go back he's like well 12 do you think he's just gonna be like ah, yes.
0: I, guess, I guess we gotta build
2: some more <laughs> no he's gonna scream and shout and yell and do all this kind of stuff or she's gonna scream and shout and yell and do all this kind of stuff. and that's what I'm with you guys it's like a little bit more adult it's a little bit more you know I heard all sorts of expl- explosives growing up but I also had parents that kind of helped guide me in a certain way that if I started acting like that in public yeah. and my dad was a Navy man so you know. God rest his soul. But if I started acting a certain way in public, he might, you know, yeah, wham, like, alright, sir, I get that, I get the point. I don't advocate that. For it. Having, it. Pa- having parents who educate and help their children along teaches them right from wrong. And I think that's something that I don't know. That, I don't know any Star Trek fans that are not gonna let their kid watch Discovery because of those minor circumstances. We what do you think they hear on
3: the bus?
1: Well, yeah, the bus.
3: I know I talked way <laughs> worse. Yeah. All the
1: that's she's Mine was Terminator 2. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so in the, also in relation to what you said about how um, the, the peer should kind of be guiding their kids and all that. And this show, in this show, they have Michael pick out an al- essential alien to have prepared for food. So, already you have a show that you really need to be talking with your kids about if you're going to let them see them in. I mean, without even any cuss words, there's some serious stuff in
2: the show that
3: your kids need to talk to. Yeah. About.
2: Absolutely. The, the Terran Empire portion of this show, I have to admit, was... Dark? <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was dark in ways that I was like, okay, we are now... And I think, you know, Ray, you kind of touch yeah. on something. Some of those other shows that are out there is what also Discovery is going against. You know, it's not the same genre as Game of Thrones, like, at all. But if Discovery is still airing and then Game of Thrones comes back on, all everybody can talk about is Game of Thrones Season 8. So unless Discovery is literally swinging for defense, this day and age of being a sci-fi show on any kind of network is not easy.
3: Most sci-fi shows right now are dark and bleak. Who's watching Black Mirror? It is dark. I cannot binge that because I have to go cry after every episode. So, it... How's it going to happy. Right. Star Trek <laughs> at least makes me happy. Oh, show happy. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. I'm sorry.
1: I'm actually not
0: familiar with that show. Um, it is Chris Maloney and Love him. Uh, that
3: novel. Love and him. It is dark and, I mean, talking about using naughty language on a basic cable network. Yeah. f bombs like, every act. Hmm. Okay. So, like, in comparison, Star Trek is probably the most PG <clears throat> out there at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, Doctor <laughs> Who. Doctor Who still deals with some really messed up, like, situations of death. So, like, still having some conversations there.
1: So let's, let, we were running out of time. So one last topic I do want to discuss is probably, like, the most intense part, and that's Ash Tyler. And what oh, happened sure. to that poor guy.
3: Oh,
1: my God. Um, that was
3: sad.
1: So, of course, you know, he's now just Ash Tyler, but he's you are never going to be an officer again or anything like that. I mean, this dealt with levels of PTSD that I think are well beyond anything we ever thought of. Um, and I think it mirrors
2: similar recent American history where we had a lot of veterans coming back that, you know, work in my same agency. And unfortunately, a lot of the agencies are like, well, here's your job. You know, good luck. May force be with you. Just go ahead and down. Wrong franchise. Yeah. Well, you know. Star
0: Wars. I like
2: Star Wars too. But it's just one of those things where PTSD is real. And, you know, Star Trek has always, we can all admit this back in the 60s, Star Trek has always challenged social norms. You know, the first interracial kiss. You know, the first lesbian kiss on Deep Space Nine, Nobody talks about that. But Star Trek has always kind of challenged that social environment. Same thing with PTSD, where they're like, look, this guy was captured after a horrible battle where the Federation was just massacred. Oh, and he endured six months of playing in prison. And they bring him back online, like, here's your face, here's your combat Good luck, but at the same time, it's because.
3: And then you find out even more. So it's yeah. not just prison. This man was abused. He was tortured. He was ripped from the inside out, and he was raped on top of it. Like this is well, messed up. No.
1: No, because well, he wasn't because that was Vogue.
3: That's not okay. I'm sorry. So Ash Tyler was raped, and Vogue wasn't.
1: He wasn't Ash I, yet. Those were Vogue's memories.
3: Are you sure? Yes. Are you, I'm not sure.
1: We, can, we can take a poll.
3: I don't want to take a poll about that. Because <laughs> Vo- Vogue and I were a couple. They were that, together. That guy's seen so, some
1: stuff. Yes, that is absolutely true. He's got two completely different personalities, well, had two completely different personalities living in the same body. And that was something Star Trek has not really dealt with before on that type of level. I mean, D-Space9 had the war, and there were a couple of moments with Chief O'Brien dealing with you know, um, some PTSD stuff from being captured by the Cardassians, but this took it to a completely different level.
3: So, mm-hmm. who thinks that Ash Shiler will ever be back? Okay. Pretty much who everybody. I think was <laughs> written off the TV show completely. Okay. Interesting. Any interesting. reasons why, why not? Yes? Yeah. Um, I have a thought that Ash is going to be critical cool in diplomacy if We can play on Federation. I love that idea. Yeah? Yes? That's also something
1: interesting last night talking
3: mm-hmm. to Yeah. I of where four...
0: Uh, and
1: Tola. Yes. We talk about that one. <laughs> the that
0: They go with after
1: Is Voke? could so, so that's interesting, because, I mean, there is the possibility, right, that those three Klingons, of course, don't look like their original series selves, so theoretically they would have had to have gotten some type of reconstructive surgery to look more like Worf. So maybe Voke-Ash goes through that? Maybe. I think that it is the albino. Those three
2: are still brought that era. Absolutely, so yeah.
3: He, he's now the cipher to explain anything that happens with the Klingons. Mm-hmm. So next time we get a major Klingon story, arc, he's got to show up so he can just give us a lot of backstory. Really
1: fast. That's a good point, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Uh Do you think we'll be seeing maybe for, for Tyler, like, kind of
2: like a farscape thing where he is like a, a girl lead of coal uh
1: later on Well, he certainly has all of Volks memories that he can recall whenever he wants. So he's gotta be able to use that to his advantage when it comes to those types of negotiations with the Federation. So I, I, I absolutely expect him to be back.
2: Anybody remember the show Babylon 5? I'm one of those guys. Remember when uh Garibaldi kind of had that memory implant? without realizing it. I'm wondering if they might, something like that may happen. Where he doesn't start acting like ultra-violent or ultra-evil or anything like that. Yeah, it's the really subtle things where he's just like more and more and more. It's like the Tyler personality. If he does come back, maybe every episode is pushed out a little bit more and a little bit more, and it's that Vogue personality where maybe he gets back on a starship. Maybe maybe yeah. it's something as simple as he's raising shields, but he's just like a half-second too late. It. It's because it's that personality where just more and more where it's so subtle that nobody's going to pick up on it until all of a sudden he's like, the whole title of personality is just gone. Which, so, again, is something on top of what you guys said Star Trek's never really dealt with,
1: this personality being destroyed. This is going to be our last comment here, and then we have to close out.
0: I actually wish they would have explored the PTSD and sexual abuse elements further.
1: By, by inserting bulk into that, they kind of ended that storyline when it would have been really nice to see because with that, I mean, there's big war, by finally start restart, all this stuff. sudden, there, there's a lot of PTSD that would be occurring in all these crews. And it's an area that, that Star Trek, and most science fiction, generally doesn't talk about is long-term psychological impacts of uh, trauma. So, so I, I guess I, I had mixed feelings when they when they the bulk storyline or the bulk insertion, because at first I thought they were going to go really, in, truly in unexplored territory in, in science fiction, which is, is that area. I felt
3: like they... Like how do you feel about that? I felt like they cut it off a little too soon. Like, all of a sudden, Laurel is this master surgeon. She can fix everything without any other Cleon help, but it seems weird. So I, I wanted them to take it a bit further. I don't want it to be removed yeah. right away.
1: All right, so on that lovely note, um, we will continue to discuss this on Redshirts and Runabouts. We are the Heroes Podcast Network. You can find us at heroespodcasts.com and at Heroes Podcasts on Twitter and Facebook. I have business cards if you'd like one. You can find us at booth C 74 or Greg is with the 501st in uh, the cosplay area. So thank you, everybody. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Thank you. So that was it. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, For anyone who's been paying very close attention, you might have noticed that we did not give away any of the um, outside in makes it so books. That is totally our fault. We dropped the ball. Um, Things were very hectic for the weekend. Not a great excuse, but it is the reason. So we are going to come up with something totally different to give away a couple copies of that book. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, sorry for the confusion, I contributed to a Star Trek book um, earlier in 2017 and we were going to give away a couple copies of it, so um, more details on that later. We do hope that you enjoyed our panel from Planet Comic Con. Thank you to the convention for giving us that time and space to host the the panel and definitely thank you to everybody who came and showed up and participated. You were a great group and it really means a lot to us that you took time out of your day to to come and, and watch us talk and talk with us. Um, Like I said earlier, next week we plan to review Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. Um, We're going to do our best to make that work out with Jeremy's new schedule, so please bear with us. After we um, finish reviewing Star Trek V and then Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, we're going to change up the format and do some more fun, unique flow things. So it's not just a review podcast, we can promise you that, but thank you for sticking with us, and we will catch you next time. Engage!
2: Red Shirts and Runabouts is part of the Heroes Podcast Network. The show is hosted by myself, Gregory Bosco, along with Jeremy Munkin and Derek Mayer. The theme song is by Flying Killer Robots. You can find us as well as other Heroes Podcast Network shows at heroespodcast.com, as well as on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, and anywhere you can use an RSS feed. Follow us on social media at Heroes Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can also email us at contact at heroespodcast.com. Engage.